Southern Michigan, I guess you could say the cuff of the mitten, finally got its first real dumping of snow this winter. Some school districts called their first snow day of the year, and children rejoiced, thanks be to Mother Nature. But some youpers will tell you it's actually thanks to Heike Lunta, a Finnish-American snow god whose dancing is believed to summon the snow. Finnish people kind of internalized this sort of idea of um, shamanism and wizardry. Stories were brought to the New World when we, you know, immigrated over here. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Today we're looking into Heike's origin story and its role in preserving Finnish-American culture. Hilary Joy Virtanen wrote her master's thesis on Heike Lunta, and today she's an associate professor of Finnish and Nordic studies at Finlandia University. That's a private Lutheran university in Hancock, Michigan. Hillary's a native of the Copper Country, and in the 1990s, she says Heike Lunta was going through a renaissance there. Several bands in the Upper Peninsula had started performing songs about him that they had written. And so you could actually hear songs about Heike Lunta in the local radio stations, you know, riding the bus to school and such. And so that was my kind of first introduction to him, was hearing actually a Finnish polka reggae song about him from Marquette. And I, I kind of, over time as a local, became a part of the kind of story of Heike Lunda and his legend became a part of my daily life. For those of us who have the bad fortune to live down south, could you maybe tell the actual origin story? Yeah. So it's very strange. But in 1970, there was a snowmobile race that was being planned for the community of um, Atlantic Mine, which is just near Houghton. And uh, they needed their snow in order for the snowmobile race to happen. And it was going to be a big deal. They were inviting Miss Wisconsin. They were going to have skydivers. I mean, it was quite an affair for our area. And so in the weeks leading up to the event itself, they needed both promotional advertising to happen. But they also were concerned because the snow hadn't been coming. And it's not all that unusual in the UP to not have snow in November or not have as much snow as you might like. But they really, really needed the snow to come. And so... They asked this radio advertiser salesman named Dave Ryuta at the local WMPL radio in Hancock to write an advertisement for it. Um, And they also said that Needy did something to kind of say, hey, you know, if it doesn't snow, we're still going to have fun. Well, Dave was told to do this and told that he had about a lunch break worth of time to do it. So he ran off on his (laughs) lunch break, borrowed a guitar and using the theme to, um, if y'all remember, there's a place in France when we were little kids singing that song. That was the tune that he used basically to write what came to be known as Heike Lunta's Snow Dance Song. Now I'll sing my song to make the snow come down and I'll do my snow dance. Whoops, almost lost my pants. That's a holler and yell and really give it. It's Heike Snow Dance Song, Heike Snow Dance Song. So, you know, he wrote that. It got put on the radio. It had this very thick local, um, our, our local dialect was used and some kind of, you know, Finnish words, different sort of aspects that refer to Finnish culture in different ways. And it just got so, so exciting to people that people kept calling and saying, hey, can we hear that song again and again and again? It's Heike Lunda Snow Dance Song, Heike Lunda Snow Dance Song. 
pretty soon a blizzard happened. And of course, because this song had been playing so often, everybody up here claimed that that's what caused it to happen. So um, the legend is that the snow was so thick that this snowmobile race was canceled. And I do hate to ruin um, stories, but if you do some archival research, uh, you can get a straighter answer to that question. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the thing that gets me about this, though, is even though Dave Ryuta was just making it up, there are elements of Finnish tradition and Finnish storytelling and folklore that kind of made it into this. As our chief contemporary scholar of Heiki Lunta knowledge, can you maybe draw some lines between how the old stories go and how this legend has developed? <laughs> yeah, so um, old traditional Finnish and also um, related Sami culture in northern Scandinavia have um had these kind of elements of what we could think of as traditional wizardry. And a lot of pre-Christian cultures had those sort of things going on. And a lot of cultures maintained or maintain those things even after religious shift happens. And so one of the elements of Finnish culture that that kind of remained after Christianity came was this idea of being very close to nature and having very strong affinity for it. Um, There's also these connections between the idea that Finnish and Sami people could have actual influence over the weather. And so back in the 1600s, even when witchcraft persecutions were happening in the North, the Sami people were accused very often of being able to control wind, which has a lot of implication if you're, you know, a sailor and if you need your boat to go somewhere. A lot of time, um, these folk stories, in addition to be able to control things like weather, the stories had a lot to do with kind of underdog figures, people who had less power than the people that they were using magic against. And so uh, I think Dave Ryuta's song really encapsulated it. The the words to the song have a lot to do with him living in a shack and he's kind of poor. He has to exchange his magical power for a little bit of money, which are these elements of capitalism. And uh, in the in the end, he he makes it to snow. And so it also tied into these beliefs and kind of stereotypes about Finnish American men who live in the backwoods and are very ingenious with very little resources and very little money. So all these images of um, what it means to be a Finnish American, what it meant to be kind of like a a Finn with these little glimmers of pre-Christianity still holding on, and also what it means to make sure that tourists are going to come up and attend your snowmobile race all really balled up together and created this phenomenon. There are no official descriptions of what Heki Lunta looks like, but can you describe some of the depictions that you've seen? So I interviewed Dave Ryuta back when I first started researching him in the early 2000s. And the the kind of common thing that people always think of is that he's definitely this kind of backwoods guy. A lot of times you'll see him affiliated with some fur. So some of the early events that people would dress up as Heiki Lunta at, you'd see them wearing a fur hat, sometimes kind of like a, you know, a raccoon tail hat, that stereotypical American style. They'd very often be wearing a shaggy fur coat. You'll see him kind of sometimes having lots of facial hair, which is kind of, you know, if you're a Northwoods man in the winter, you know that having facial hair helps keep you warm. And also at the the Hagen Baiba Festival here in Hancock, they, a student at Finlandia University here created costumes depicting Finnish and Finnish American folklore characters. And her interpretation of Heikilunto is really cool because it had him wearing flannels, which is kind of the national costume of our neck of the woods. And the flannels were a little bit ragged, showing that, you know, he is kind of a backwoods person who might not have as many resources as, you know, people do in our capitalist society. But one of the other things that she included in it was a um, birch bark woven backpack, which is very traditional Finnish. 
and also a wreath around his head made of cedar boughs that had these um, snowflakes suspended from wires around it to show the, the effect of the dancing. So hers was a very whimsical depiction of the, the snow god that's maintained to this day. But, you know, fur, flannel, very kind of northern woodsy things are what, what you kind of go for. I know Dave Ryuta wrote a follow-up song called Heki Lunta, Go Away. Oh, I sing my song, and I made the snow come down, and I did my dance, now I'm gonna lose my pants, if I don't make it stop. Look out, here comes a snowball, fill the clocks, Heki Lunta, go away, that's all I hear them say. Did he tell you when you talked to him why he decided to do that? I mean, I guess it goes without saying, there's always so much pressure to write a sequel after you have a hit. Right. Well, what happened was, um, you know, that that song became such a hit that they were playing it on the radio. And after a while, um, people decided to make a, an album of it, actually, because people wanted to hear it so much. And not only did locals want to hear it here, but they wanted to share this song with other Finnish Americans and other Youpers across the country. And so in the the winter of 1970 to 71 really dragged on. And it was a it was a pretty bad winter, even for Uber standards. You know, I, I don't know if everybody knows, but our average snowfall around here is about 240 inches a year. And sometimes it can go well above that. But when um the winter kept dragging on very badly and people actually were kind of getting jokingly mad at him at first. And so he said he'd be walking down the street. People would throw snowballs at him. Filled with rocks. Look out, here comes another snowball. Really filled with big rocks. He also said that there were certain people in our community who thought that he actually was kind of conjuring up the magic that, that Christianity was supposed to erase, and they did not appreciate that. And so he, he, he was kind of getting a little bit of rift on by the community and being told, hey, you need to make this end. And also with this idea of creating a LP that could be sold, they decided that they would make a two-sider with the Heiki Lunta Snow Dance song on one side and then Heiki Lunta Go Away on the other. And the idea being that if you played Heiki Lunta Go Away, it could hopefully make the snow stop. Hillary, how widespread is Heiki Lunta? Was this, was this something that did catch on with other Finnish-American communities? It really did. Yeah. So so what happened was the song starts getting played in places across the country. You know, Youpers and Finnish Americans who have ties with the community started spreading this song all over the place. And so over between about 1971 and the early 1990s, people are passing around this LP and it's getting played all over the country. And the idea was that the, the sort of legend that happened is that no matter where you played it, snow would happen. And so people were getting reports of the song being played in San Francisco, in Georgia, in very, you know, unsnowy places, and that you would see snow snowflakes fly. And Finnish Americans and and Youpers, you know, we're a very small community. And sometimes we belong to that same Venn diagram since there's so many Finnish Americans up here. And so we have a lot of connections with each other across the country, and it's pretty easy to share stuff like this and kind of make it be something that people know across the country. The thing I love about it is it's such a pre-internet kind of story back when it, it kind of was harder for, you know, pop culture and, and, and subculture to really spread like that. Yeah, it's true. And that's where this idea of um, having albums, you know, that that was really a big thing. And then, of course, after that, once they had those, the first two songs that Dave Ryuta wrote, and people started dressing up and impersonating him and kind of having those kind of things, once it became something that other people could use and create their own folklore and their own folkloric representations with, this is really how Heiki Lunta just explodes and, and becomes really embedded in the community. So, 
Finlandia University, where where you are right now, was founded by Finnish immigrants at the end of the 19th century. Are there are there other ways that Finnish culture is really a part of the surrounding community today that folks who don't live there may not know about? Oh, absolutely. Hancock is situated in Houghton County, and I would just say that the burst of Finnish immigration happens in the 1860s and primarily 1880s through 1920s because we were attracted by mining jobs up here. It just so happened that, you know, the first immigrants who came here realized the place basically is just like Finland, which meant that we uniquely as farmers would be able to wring out, you know, beets and potatoes and stuff through this very short growing season. But this is what established a Finnish community here. By the 1890s or so, Finns are the largest ethnic group. Today, um, with our most recent census, we're still at about 30% of the local population claiming Finnish ethnicity. And so that's a big deal. Um, we do have a lot of kind of influence here. Um, apart from having Finlandia University, where we offer both academic and public programming and outreach programming in Finnish culture, there's the the local Hancock municipality. They they created something called the Finnish Theme Committee, which helps to promote Finnishness in various ways to help create connections with Finland. Um, this is a place where a lot of Finnish folklorists and researchers like myself like to come here because it's one of the few places in America where, and, and this is reducing year by year, you can hear Finnish language spoken out in the everyday. So this is the kind of place where Finnishness really hits you in the face. You know, when I have Finnish guests come and I pick them up at the airport and I drive them down, they see place names in Finnish, they see Finnish flags everywhere, they see Finnish names on mailboxes, they see road signs in Finnish you know, food, all these kind of things. So it really is this place where Finnishness is an everyday part of life. And where even if you're not Finnish, you have the absolute right and absolute invitation to participate in this culture as you see fit. We need to take a short break. When we come back... Basically, we have this festival that takes place mostly over the month of January, but particularly during that last weekend in January, where we do a lot of activities that relate to Finnish ethnicity and particularly Finnishness in the winter. More in a minute. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's Stateside Podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. The Hickey Lunta Festival is coming up at the start of February. What kinds of things happen there if, if we can jump in the all-wheel drive and come visit for it? So I should say that Nagani is about um, 90 miles east of Hancock. So the, the Heike Lunta Winterfest, for the most part, has the name as inspiration and the fact that it is a snow-themed festival, but it doesn't really have that kind of cultural element per se. But 
it's a really great festival to go if you enjoy the outdoors and if you enjoy the wintry outdoors that we can give you. And so they've had things like snowmobile races. They have um, outdoor events on Teal Lake out on the ice. So it's just a real celebration of the beautiful weather that we get in the UP and the fact that it contributes both to our local community, but also to the tourism-based community that comes here. And I think that the Heike Linto Winter Festival in Nagani really, really encapsulates that aspect of winter life up here in the UP. We do have the Heikimpaiva Finnish Winter Festival this weekend, and that actually celebrates three different Heikis, but that's a whole other story that you might not have time for. Well, I've got to hear this. Give us a taste. Yeah, absolutely. In our area, there's winter proverbs that have to do with this being the midwinter point. It relates both to agricultural practices, to bear hibernation, pre-Christian rituals, and all kinds of things. Um, Basically, we have this festival that takes place mostly over the month of January, but particularly during that last weekend in January, where we do a lot of activities that relate to Finnish ethnicity and particularly Finnishness in the winter. And it's called Heikimpaiva, which you can see has the name Heiki in it. It means Henry's Day. And so we actually celebrate three Henrys, one being Heiki Lunta, our local snow god, one being Bishop Henrik of Finland, who was actually um, an early Christianizer in Finland in the 1100s and about whom a lot of um, midwinter work proverbs are centered. And then finally, a third honorary person named Hankoki Heiki, or the Heiki of Hancock, who is named every year as somebody in the local community who's done stuff for Finnish people. We have things like um, uh, races. There's a really, really great parade with Finnish folklore characters. There's dances. There's music. So we do a lot of the zany kind of sports that Finns are known for in their festivals, too. And we have it wrapped up as a very big celebration of Finnish culture in the midwinter to keep us from getting our winter blues. Hillary, I have to ask you, when I look at some of the festivities that are planned as, you know, folks celebrate Heiki Lunta, there are traditional wife-carrying contests. I cannot wait to hear what this is about. Right. So Finland has kind of become known for some of its more strange competitions over the past couple decades, one of which is the wife-carrying contest. And so, um, In Finland, basically, the point of the wife carrying contest is um, there's an obstacle course where you have pairs of people. And, you know, sometimes people are a lot more uh, cool with having different definitions of who gets to be the wife and, you know, who gets to carry each other and so forth. But what happens is you race through an obstacle course carrying a person on your back. And in the end, the person who makes it through the obstacle course in the quickest time receives the person that they were carrying's weight in beer. So that's how it's played in Finland. Um, of course, our community is not quite so interested in giving out free beer <laughs> to people. And so one of the contests that we have that during Haking Paiva, the last day of the real festival is the last Saturday in January. And so that day, it's kind of called Haking Paiva Big Day. And what they do is there's a parade with costumes of folklore characters, including Haki Lunta. There's um, this wife carrying competition and the wife carrying contest is cool because our obstacle course has different things people have to do. Um, One of the steps in the obstacle course is to sit down and have a traditional Finnish coffee. So Finnish people are very well known for their love of coffee. They have the highest per capita rate of drinking it in the world. Um, So you have a kind of a part of the obstacle course where you have to go through a coffee drinking situation. Then there's one where you sit in a sauna because Finns are also the inventors of the sauna. Um, which other people incorrectly call swana, but the the you sit on a bench and kind of get beaten on the back with branches, which is a part of the tradition that is kind of hard to get into briefly in a radio interview. But anyway, all the steps of the race <laughs> pertain to this idea of um, Finnish culture as it exists today in kind of humorous ways to sort of allow people who are inside the community and understand the things that are being referenced 
to laugh and then people who are outside of the community and like to join in the fun to, to see that, wow, this is a strange, interesting culture. I'd like to learn more. Wow. I couldn't help but notice also, I was looking at some pictures of fests in the past, and you see people taking part in traditional costume. It's very cute. And there's these guys with old time Finnish hats and vests. And in one photo I saw, it looks like they're doing some kind of line dance. And you think, oh, that's nice. But when you look closer, you see that these men are all chained together. What in the world is going on? Right. So actually, um, Finnish culture has this kind of tradition of interesting outlaws. And so the wife carrying contest actually goes back to a historical figure um, named Rosvoropi, who like Robert the thief is kind of what his name means. He and these guys who are chained together represent men who come from a low, lower socioeconomic demographic who would actually carry women off, like steal women. So there's this very kind of negative, dark thing that's being referenced. But um, they were notable people who in between the 1700s and the 1800s were typically kind of landless poor men who would take matters into their own hands and um, rough up weddings, steal the bride. But the two chained people are um, actually real life people named Ison Talon Antti ja Rananjärvi. And they were two guys who lived in Western Finland in the 1800s. And they actually were involved in a, a wedding rough up situation where they kind of stormed a wedding party with some friends. One of them was going to steal the woman who was marrying the sheriff of that, that parish. And um, then they were going to kill the sheriff as well. The two guys ended up being arrested and put into jail. And these guys actually became very important in Finnish folklore because a, a ballad was written about their deeds, which is still sung among some Finnish Americans today. So it's got this weird, there's all kinds of strange references within Hagen Baiva that, that, you know, you can kind of go very surface level, like, oh, there are these robbers who are in trouble that are chained together. But um, people who kind of are on the inn know the actual photograph of those two being chained together. They might know the modern painting that was inspired by the photograph. They might know the song or know of it. They might have sung it. So there's all these kind of really deep references to Finnish and Finnish American culture that go on in Hiking Baiba. Wow. Hillary, I got to say, you guys know how to party, but you also really know how to go dark. It's it's pretty dark here in the winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, out of curiosity, Hillary, do you know how to say, I know this isn't part of the festivities in the UP, but do you know how to say free beer in Finnish? Yeah, um, <laughs> and I think some people do include that in their festivities up here. It's Hickey Snow Dance Song, Snow And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Bear. If you want to join in the midwinter celebrations happening up north, Hancock is celebrating Hekin Paiva this Saturday, January 28th, and Ghani will host its annual Heki Lunta Festival February 3rd and 4th. You can find full stateside episodes if you're snowed in and ready for more to listen to at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Ronia Kabansag. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Pod music comes to us from Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening. Stay warm out there. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. 
Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.